House of the Dragons gets real emotional and She-Hulk gets real meta. From the Vault 319 Recording Room, this is the Tweakle Podcast. Well, what's up, everybody? I'm Jake Alexander, the voice in the void, the lone wolf, your favorite host of the list. How the hell are you? Happy Friday. Welcome to a new episode of the uh, Twinkle Podcast. I know we just had one yesterday, but we're back with Unfinished Business. We still have to do House of the Dragons and uh, the finale for She-Hulk, actually. So let's get right into it without me having to bore you with everything that happened with me this week. So we're going to skip the news today because, quite frankly, I didn't think any of the news that really happened this week was all that important outside of the uh, passing of Angela Lansbury. And we talked about that yesterday, so we're going to leave that in in the past and we're going to keep moving forward. Uh, so let's get started right off the bat with House of Dragons. Now, I could recap the entire episode, but I think it's kind of unnecessary. Um, a, a bunch of stuff happened, but I'm just going to go through uh, the, the really important points. Um, so this episode opens up with another time jump. This one is six years. So, so far through this first season, we have uh, a show that has spanned 21 years. Um, uh, we, well, it could, it's actually 30 years. If you count the prologue in, in the first episode, uh, I was okay with the time jumps at first, but they're starting to make the show less enjoyable. Maybe that's just me. Uh, if, if it bothers you too, let me know if it doesn't bother you. Let me know that too. Um, it just seems like everything is getting rushed and there are, uh, plot points that I wish they had like kind of dragged out. Um, I mean, like, you know, we only got to see, uh, a Damon's wife <laughs> one episode. We see her, we see him married to her and her pregnant and she's dead by the end of the episode. So, you know, stuff like that. It's, it's, it's kind of making certain things that, uh, that I wish I could see more of making them fly by it. So, uh, it is what it is. We're just going to have to deal with it until they figure it out. Um, so, uh, a part of that uh, with the time jumps is, uh, the creator of the series, of the Game of Thrones series and this and this uh, George R. R. Martin, he actually said earlier this week that in order to tell the story properly, it would take four seasons. They don't know if they're going to be able to get four seasons. A second season has already been greenlit, but let's see how it goes forward. Maybe if they do well uh, before this season is over, maybe they'll actually go ahead and green light a third season and they can just take their time and tell the story a little bit more properly. Either way. Uh, so let's talk about this. Um, I can tell you this if you haven't seen it. The most important thing in this episode is similar to the what was important in the last episode, and that's the effect of the adults, uh, their hatred on one another, on the on all of their kids. So uh, Viserys is slowly dying, and spoiler alert: by the end of this episode, he dies. He he is he has a form of leprosy. If you don't know what he has. Uh, and that's what's killing him. Um, and he's been mostly confined to bed. Lord Corliss, the sea snake, he's been incapacitated from a pirate attack. He's dying uh, after another war in the Stepstones. So all of the power in Westeros now lie in the hands of all the ladies. Uh, Raina, Lord Corliss's wife, she heads up Driftmark, even with her stepbrother, Vayman, maneuvering to unseat her. Allison is now the queen regent. She's not so much sitting on the Iron Throne, but she's basically... Uh, 
talking to her husband and making all the decisions along with Lord Hand, her father. Eranera is back in Dragonstone. She's pregnant and already has two more kids with uh, Damon. And that, yeah, so like I said, it's been six years in the time jump. So, yeah, I can see them having two kids and one on the way. So everybody winds up in uh, King's Landing arguing over who's going to take over Driftmark if indeed um, the sea snake actually does die from his wounds uh, after that pirate attack. Um, to everybody's uh, surprise, the king of Viserys actually gets himself up out of bed and he arrives at the meeting, which they were actually trying to hold without him. Uh, and he says, hey, we've already discussed this. So what's the problem? The only person who really can talk about this since the sea snake isn't here is his wife, Raina. Raina aligns herself with Rhaenyra and, and, and the hand and Allison are kind of pissed about that. So the king says, hey, man, screw it. Uh, now that that's settled again for the hundredth time, we're going to have uh, a, a big dinner and we're just going to celebrate all this. Um, in the middle of all this, um, Vaymon, uh, steps up and he actually calls, um, Rainier's kids bastards, illegitimate bastards, and actually calls her a whore out in front of everybody in the King. Uh, Damon like takes, you know, gets a chance to like be the big be the big man, be the big husband and be a big and be to be a brother toward his king. And he kills Vaymon right there in the middle of the hall. And that's just the end of him. So all the political maneuvering he was trying to do to keep his family line, quote unquote, from ending. And that's kind of the end of it. But even though his line won't come to an end because Rhaenyra has already now uh, betrothed her. Uh, her two sons to uh, Raina's two daughters. Yes, the incest stuff is really going on in this family. It is what it is, and the politics is uh, is all is all driving all of it. Um, but yes, but his family line would have continued after uh, Jace and um, uh, Lucerus actually move on. Uh, his family would have inherited it right back, and all he had to do was just bide his time. But nope, he wound up dead right there on the floor. Um, later on that night at the at the at the uh, at the feast but with his whole family i love the fact that the king himself stood up in the middle of this and he gave this real earnest and really moving speech uh i honestly was very choked up listening to it because i thought it was words coming from a man who right or wrong he was just trying to have peace in his kingdom and more so in his family and there's nothing wrong with that there's nothing wrong with uh somebody trying to live in peace some people would consider that a weakness but i consider that a strength um he said hey don't look at me as the king um listen to me as you know your father as your brother as your husband as your grandfather like just listen to me just have peace in this family and if you can't do it for your king do it for just do it for this old man that you're looking at i thought that was just a very moving speech it was really good um the guy that plays uh Viserys, his first name is uh patio constantine really good actor uh if you so if you've never seen it you when you get to this you trust me it's going to choke you up um the speech actually does have an effect Rhaenyra stands up and apologizes for everything she's done over the years. Alicent does uh, the same thing. Uh, and it seems like their friendship is going to get patched up. Um, Damon, who was actually showing signs of deep sorrow for his brother's condition, he even seemed moved by it and like he was getting ready to uh, let go of all the hate and move on and try to grow, grow closer to her to his brother in his brother's final days. Um, but all that, all them, all them good tidings and all them good feelings, all that kind of got spoiled because the vitriol between Allison and Rhaenyra's sons boil over. There's a fight that starts. Um, and all that hate comes from the fact that Allison and Rhaenyra have taught their sons to hate each other. It's not like the kids knew this, knew anything like it from when they were, when they were little, 
nobody really cared. Is all they knew is that they were family and they played together. But it, they were taught from years upon years to hate each other for one reason or another. And it's kind of funny is that fight is what drives Rhaenyra away when she was getting closer to Alan. She said, hey, and when she was getting closer to Allison, she said, hey, I'll come back and then we can continue talking. But while she's away, Allison actually goes to uh, Viserys' side while he's in bed, uh, still laid up sick, obviously. And he starts telling her, thinking it's Rhaenyra, telling her about the, the prophecy of the um, of, of the fire and ice, the what basically what the uh, uh, the book is about, which is what this entire show is based on. And in interpreting what he's saying to her, thinking that uh, it that he's talking to Rhaenyra and not knowing it, not knowing that part, um, she takes it as, oh yeah, I guess he's telling me to make sure I put Aegon on the throne and to hell with everybody else. And she misinterprets it. If the if the all the hate that they had taught the kids did not boil over, or if they had taken some responsibility right in the middle of this feast uh, and this dinner among the family and stopped the boys from fighting in the first place, none of that would have happened. There would have been no misunderstandings. They would have been friends again. They would have been a family again. Everything would have been fine, but it was the hate that they taught their kids to have. It, it had it, the hate between them had already started to erode things. And even though every so often along the, along the way, it, it looks like they were going to have uh, chances to fix all of this. It never came to fruition. And now there's no chance of it now. And it's all because of the hate that they taught their kids to have. And it just goes to show you that you, if it, hate is not something that we have naturally to ourselves, we are taught it. And if we allow it to, it will destroy us, not just us, but it would destroy our kids and our grandkids. And it kind of sucks, but there it is. This was a very deep episode. Um, Damon killing Vaymon was awesome. Of uh, the Sarah's speech was truly moving. Uh, I was pulling for Allison and Rhaenyra to fix their friendship. Doesn't look like that's gonna happen. Um, also like a bunch of the foreshadowing in this in this one. Um, Helena, who is um Allison's daughter, who is married to uh, her brother, oddly enough, <laughs> um, Helena actually she um she seems to have this thing where she says stuff and then it comes to fruition. Uh, a few episodes ago. Um, Allison told her son, uh, uh, Amon, the oldest one, he said, Hey, uh, don't worry. You'll be, you'll get a dragon one day. Cause remember he's having trouble getting a dragon and Helena, you know, playing with her little bugs. She whispered, yet yeah, he'll have to lose an eye first. And sure enough, he winds up with a dragon, but he winds up losing an eye. So in this episode, um, she's whispering to herself, beware the beast beneath the boards. Right. So I wonder how that's going to pop up. Uh, apparently, every, you know, she has like a, the ability to see the future or she's a seer of some sort. Uh, so I wonder how that's going to pop up in, in the series. Um, and if you didn't know the prince within that, that prophecy of the fire and ice, the prophecy is not about Aegon. Um, Alicent's uh, youngest son, who is a, a son who's meant to be king. And it's actually not about um, uh, Rhaenyra and Damon's son who they actually also named Aegon in a way to like spite Alicent. Um, it's not about either of their sons. It turns out that the prophecy stretches all the way into game of Thrones to Aegon the fifth, who we actually all know as Jon Snow. Crazy, right? It is just mental. How you think all of these things are starting to like really have true connective tissue of out of this show all the way into uh, game of Thrones. Uh, I'm going to take a break and go grab me some of the drink. When I come back, we're going to talk about the finale for She-Hulk. So quite honestly, there's no subtle way for me to say this. So I'm just going to say it, but 
God damn, that finale was so good. It was very true to the spirit uh, to the spirit of the comic. It was super creative with you with the use of the fourth wall breaks to set up everything at the end. I even had one of those theories that I that I have here and there. I it was mostly confirmed for this one, and we'll talk about that later. Um, yeah, we'll get that in a few minutes. Now, usually I will recap the entire episode and then you know give you the uh, essential plot points, and then I'll give you all the Easter eggs, but. I can't do that with this one because the whole episode is one Easter egg after another. And it would be, it would be insane to try to do that. So what we're going to do is we're going to go through the episode, major plot points. And I'm going to give you the fact that pretty much every plot point and a whole lot of other things in the background are just Easter eggs all over the place. Um, is honestly, I, I put this episode right next to the entire film of uh Endgame, right? Because that's pretty much what Endgame was. It was just, one Easter egg and one payoff after another, after another through the whole thing. And it, and that's what partly made it so damn good for me. And that's what this episode did too. Uh, but we'll talk about it. So the first Easter egg and the first thing was the actually, actually is the show's title. Whose show is it? Now, if you don't know, there was a TV show that had Drew Carey as the host and a bunch of his friends from the Drew Carey show. And they played the old game show. Whose line is it anyway? So that's where the title comes from. That's an Easter egg. If you didn't know, um, but that was just the title. So let's get into the show. Uh, the opening montage is a direct reference to the 1978 Incredible Hulk series. That series starred Bill Bixby as David Banner and Lou Ferrigno as the Hulk. Yes, it was David Banner in the series instead of the actual name of the character Bruce Banner because CBS, I wouldn't believe it was CBS back in the day that had this, uh, had the show on. They didn't like the name Bruce. They thought it was quote unquote too gay. So they made the, uh, the producers change the name to David Banner for the show. And, uh, yeah, like I said, it was Lou Ferrigno as the Hulk. That's all the way back in 1978. They even went the extra step of using the old school 4-3 letterbox ratio presentation so just like in 1978 uh series i thought that was pretty cool so and um they even used the nameplate instead of saying uh she hulk it said the savage she hulk which is a reference to her first comic book run i thought that was pretty cool too uh what we see next uh jen she's in the same cell <laughs> after the last episode where she tore everything up she got arrested she's in the exact same cell that we first see emil blonsky and he's wearing the same exact uh um, uh, hot, uh, jail jumper, that little kind of reddish and gray thing that he was wearing. Uh, Mallory book pug and Nikki have come to let her know like, Hey, yeah, we got you negotiated to get released. And the negotiation process ends up having her to wear the same, uh, inhibitor that Blonsky has pretty much getting her out on the same type of, uh, thing that Blonsky got himself out with. Um, the inhibitor is a reference actually in, in her case to the time in the comics when Jen had a mental block preventing her from transforming into she into She-Hulk and she needed this little device to help her switch between her forms. So uh next thing we see Jen actually loses her job at GLK and H. Uh she winds up losing her apartment. She's forced to move in with her parents. Now as the press surrounds her apartment as she's moving out and at her parents' house, it's it's a visual reference back from uh, Spider-Man No Way Home, the scene where the press is surrounding Peter and May's apartment after his his identity gets um gets uh, uh gets out it and uh and it's also oddly enough where we get to see charlie cox as the first time as matt murdoch inside of the mcu from his netflix show so that's a good reference uh we also see at her parents house where the press tries to bum rush jen and ask her all these questions uh her dad takes a hose and turns on the reporters and telling them to get the hell away from him get that away from her daughter um that's a small reference actually to the first she hulk comic 
uh, right when she gets shot. Yes, she gets shot in the first comic, which is actually what causes Bruce to need the uh, blood transfusion. But that happens, and Bruce, trying to stop the guy that uh, that shot her or shooting at her, he uses a hose to get the guy off of her and uh, carry her off to safety. That was weird. That's a weird reference, but that's actually kind of cool. Who knew using a hose was a way to stop a gunman? I didn't know that actually works. Uh, So later on, Jen breaks the fourth wall while she's in her room uh, wondering what the hell is going on. She breaks the fourth wall and she says that what's happening to her is not really like some superhero origin story. She's basically just getting screwed over. Well, by the way, to how the uh, show is going, and she ends up talking to us directly. And she says, hey, is this what you guys want? Um, this references the entire run of the show and the MCU as uh, in general. I mean, it's like think about all the social media trolls and in intelligentsia inside the show and outside the show uh you know guys like that simply calling for the downfall of she hulk simply because it's a woman-led show and the mcu in general because they think phase four is so weak and i've already talked about phase four i told you how how it's actually one of the best phase phases uh uh out here right now uh and it also foreshadows the interaction between jen and the kevin bot yes there's a kevin bot and all the way at the end of the show as she argues uh, for her ending to be changed onto her terms and not bowing down to the demands of internet trolls. Um, she also wonders why she doesn't get to do more typical quote unquote superhero stuff when it's always been obvious that Jen, she hope they aren't typical MCU characters, especially with the fact that she can break the fourth wall. So the next thing we see is Nikki using one of Jen's, uh, old videos from her college days. She gets that she gets from Jen's mom. And, uh, in the video, uh, the only thing that's going on is, just typical college stuff. Uh, Jen is in, you know, just some uh, jump pants and uh, jump pants <laughs> and some jogging pants. And she's just dancing around her corner in her college dorm to music. And Nikki up posts. Uh, she posts it to the intelligentsia site, hoping that someone would bite and uh, invite her in, into their uh, inner circle. And it actually works. Now, this is actually a reference, if you didn't know, to uh, the video of Congresswoman Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, ALC, for you you politically minded folks out there where she basically has a video of her doing the exact same thing. And that video was used and has been used and still is being used over and over to try to discredit everything she says, because look at her, she was dancing around at college, like normal college kids don't actually have fun and dance. Um, And so from here on, let me just warn you, every reference is real meta and deeply personal. So you got to stay with me because it goes to the heart of the show. That's what I mean by deeply personal, not me personal so uh, when everything comes to a head on blonsky's retreat and we get hope todd abomination titania and professor hulk all duking it out jen says right to the camera none of this or none of these storylines actually make any sense is this like working for you at all and then all of a sudden uh, we get transported to the disney plus marvel homepage, just like when you're hitting just like when you're going through the disney plus site we get transported to that homepage, and like we're trying to escape the show like we're trying to not answer her questions and get away from her and jen is like not having it so she gives pursuit she breaks the fourth wall figuratively and literally not only is she talking to it she's literally climbing through the uh disney plus marvel homepage, and she swings down into uh what's called the um marvel uh assembled i mean uh, yeah marvel assembled uh show where uh it's a show with all the behind the scenes clips and stuff from marvel shows and films this is a reference to how she hoped in the comic would literally rip through the comics pages 
and go out to argue with writers like John Byrne about the direction of her comics and how sexually suggestive like all her covers were being drawn. The whole ending is just Jen challenging how others have had more power in directing her life and show, and it's challenging the formulaic nature of the MCU in general, just like the comic book. And I love that. That was to me the best scene in this entire show. Her climbing through the the Marvel homepage and and just swinging down into another show to get in to go talk to the uh, Marvel writers that that was damn fantastic. Um, so as she actually gets down into um, uh, Marvel Assembled, she hopes she's walking across the production stage, and we actually get our QR code for this episode, and that takes you to Sensational She Hulk number fifty. In that issue, She Hulk goes to Marvel Comics. In the same way, Jen is heading into Marvel Studios to argue about what the hell is going on with these writers. Uh, so in the writer's room, as she after she has crossed this uh, soundstage, uh, Jen is arguing. And there's a whole bunch of Hulk comics on the wall. Now, most of them are the Dan Slott run of She-Hulk, which the show is heavily based on. And a couple of them are from the John Byrne run of She-Hulk, which is uh, where she actually begins to break the fourth wall inside of the comic. John Byrne was the writer under uh, where that happened under first. But one of those comics is a World War Hulk comic. Keep that in mind for later. I'll tell you why. And I love I love how uh, Jen just she basically chin checks all these writers for using the same overused trope of like superpowered blood as the villains uh, great aim for whatever whatever's going on. I mean, and I agree with that. I mean, like Captain America, the amazing Spider-Man, uh, uh, everything, everything that has to do with any, any version of the Hulk and just over and over it's been used. It's a, it's a tired trope and I get it that it's, it's an incredible power, but she's challenging everybody. like, Hey, we don't have to keep using these same stories over and over. We can branch out to do some, do other things, which that happens in her comic. She has used that that argument in her comments like hey you don't have to draw me like every other every other woman in the comic you don't have to treat me like every other woman in the comic i'm different you don't have to treat me like every other superhero in the comic i'm different and that was like i told you it's real meta but it's really really good um now one of the writers actually says to her the 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 female um the woman writer at the, at the, near the front of the table she looks at it and says hey this is what kevin wants and that's an obvious reference to Kevin Feige. We all know that. That's the head man of the entire MCU, uh, president of Marvel Studios. That was easy to catch. I'm pretty sure everybody caught that. But I, inc I included it here anyway. So when Jen takes off to find quote-unquote Kevin, and I'll, I'll tell you why it's quote-unquote Kevin later, um, she has a sign. She has to sign a non-disclosure agreement at the, uh, at, the, at the desk before she actually gets to see, get in to see Kevin. Now, that's a reference to the extreme secrecy that Marvel actors must adhere to um there have been reports where one of the non-disclosure grievance says hey if you uh let anything out about your character uh, ahead of us telling you it's okay like like they'll take your house like yeah it's it's always it's always stuff like that so i thought that was kind of i thought it's kind of neat she kept having to scroll up to get to the bottom to where she signed and uh she doesn't actually sign her own name she actually signs jw not she hulk not her whole name. She just put JW like, yeah, you already know who it is. Uh, so I thought that was kind of cool. Um, the reception, the reception desk itself where she's standing to sign it. Um, it's flanked by tons of like memorabilia and toys. Um, there's Thanos sitting in his space chair. You got Captain America's uh, statuette. You have Groot. Uh, Hulk obviously is there. You have an infinity gauntlet with the stones in it. Um, we also see a similar setup of the Iron Man armor 
in a wall cabinet behind her. That's you. Obviously, that's a reference to the, uh, to the same thing that in Iron Man that Tony had, where he was building the suit and in his in his, in his garage. Um, I thought that was kind of cool. But it also, if you look at it, it's not just um, a reference to Tony uh, to Tony Stark's Iron Man the way he had it in the movie, but it's also a, a reflection of the growth of the company. You had the very first. Uh, suit that he makes after he gets out of actually after he gets out of that cave then he has i mean then you have the uh that's the mark one then you have the mark 25 from iron man 2 and you have that final version from the end game and you have all those three behind them and that that not only maps out tony's progress in making the suits like i said it maps out the growth of the company itself and how they how the mcu has grown over the years and i thought that was I thought that was a really good reference. Um, Jen next has to fight a bunch of guards to get in to see Kevin. She has to walk down this hallway and, and, uh, and fight all these guards one after a time. Now the, the hallway scene itself with her fighting is reminiscent of a couple of things for me. Um, uh, it was the savage Wolverine scene from, uh, I wonder what was it? Uh, X-Men apocalypse. I believe when he, they, he actually has the little funny looking headset on him from when they were experimenting, experimenting on him before he breaks out of the door and out into the wilderness, just like in the comic. That's the Savage Wolverine closed circuit camera scene from X-Men Apocalypse. Yeah, it is X-Men Apocalypse. Um, uh, it also reminded me of the when Thor is fighting the guards when he tries to pick up Mjolnir after he's first cast down to Earth. Um, and to me, more closely, it's more along the lines of the, the hallway fight scene in Iron Man 2 where we get to see uh, Natasha Romanoff uh, strutter stuff for the first time. Um, and all the art on those wall, on that wall in that hallway with Jen, um, it's all concept art from like Iron Man, Guardians of the Galaxy, and the First Avengers. Uh, if you like pause as it goes by the art and look at the look at these uh, photos, you can see exactly where these scenes are, uh, where these uh, artwork pieces led to scenes in the movie. I thought those thought those were really cool. Uh, Jen finally actually gets by the guards and gets to meet Kevin, but it's not Feige; it's an AI robot is ai brain the the creator behind everything in the mcu now the name kevin obviously uh it's an acronym firstly it's an acronym for knowledge enhanced visual interconnectivity nexus k-e-v-i-n so the kevin is obviously uh a reference to kevin feige uh it even has its uh the way the robot is designed it it has this little hood coming out over the three eyes these three colored eyes that rotate but it looks like the brim of uh, uh kevin feige's signature ball cap if you've ever seen him in any interview he's always wearing this baseball cap and the robot itself it as it it looks just like uh feige with the ball cap on it is kind of designed that way um but it's also a big reference to a couple of other things i noticed one modok now we know modok is supposed to appear in uh ant-man and the wasp in some form in some way but it's um it's funny that it, it's it itself is basically Modoc is uh, just a an AI floating robot. What it has a personality and it's it's partly human, but it's still just a floating robot similar to how Kevin how we see Kevin in this episode. And it's funny that Modoc is a is an organism itself. M O D O K is metal organism designed only for killing. M O D O K Modoc and Kevin is an acronym as well. So I thought that was pretty cool reference and and uh, how they were linked. Um, and it's also kind of cool that the fact that Kevin itself is a long winded acronym for <laughs> something like Shield, right? I, I can't even remember what shield is. I'm not, I didn't even write it down, but it's a long winded acronym. Um, and Kevin also seems like a reference to Mojo. Now, if you don't remember Mojo, if you've ever watched the nineties X-Men cartoon, you probably saw him once or twice, but Mojo is a multiverse villain 
from Mojo World, which he renamed after himself. And he and his character is built around the idea of a greedy TV executive after all his people on his planet have been gone, you know, have been driven crazy by these television, uh, that these TV signals that have been blasted out into space and they couldn't cut it off. And it was being beamed into their heads because they're, 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 how they're, how his people's brains work. Yeah, go back and look up Mojo from the 90s X-Men cartoon and from the and from the comics and just look at how his character is portrayed. It, it's a greedy TV exec and he's like, like, I know everything about TV and everything that I see, I'm going to put on TV and turn it into a TV show. I know what I'm doing. I can make this great. You can be my stars. And I think Kevin kind of, the Kevin bot kind of takes away a little bit from Mojo. Um, while Jen is meeting uh, uh, Kevin, um, it also seems like a callback to like Neo meeting the architect in inside of the source in Matrix Reloaded. Just like when she walks through the door, there's kind of this bright light and when she gets in. It's not what she expected, but like, hey, I created you and here he is with the creator and he's giving her a choice on how to go back and continue doing what he wants her to do. But in the same time, doing it in her way, it's it's almost the exact same thing as Neo meeting the architect. Um, that was just me. I don't know if anybody else saw it that way, but that's just how I saw it. Um, and there are comics all around this room. And one of them is a Deadpool comic. Now uh, it is making this the first time we actually get to see Deadpool in any type of way inside of the MCU. Right. So like this first time they've actually had a Deadpool comic and we know that Deadpool is his new movie will come. It will be R rated. Thank God. It will have Wolverine, Hugh Jackman playing Wolverine and it will be R rated and it will be really good. Um, The comic that they actually use for Deadpool is one of one of many where he fights across the multiverse and winds up having to fight himself in some form or fashion. Right. Which is fitting because we're in the multiverse saga and it fits very much currently in the, in, into how we're doing things. Um, so here now is where my theory gets confirmed. When, when Jen is talking to Kevin about how she wants her show to end, there's a reference to you, me and all the fans in the MCU. Now, Jen is literally saying that the formula of the MCU that has served them so well now, right? I'm not pooping on it by any chance, but the, the way that they've been doing things, it needs to change. And that her show need not follow the same old path because this isn't a typical MCU show and she's not a typical MCU hero. And she's right. The question of how to top Infinity War, and Endgame, and No Way Home, it has come up a lot lately. Even I've said it. How do they go forward? How do they be as good or better than what has come before? And the answer is to do exactly what the MCU has always done but kind of change it up a bit. Now the MCU has always been keep us on our toes, right? As to whatever's coming next. And is everything perfect? No, it's not. And even the Kevin bot says it like, Hey, some things are better than others, but we've kept you on your toes as to what's coming next. We've, we've kept you entertained. And in that Marvel honors, the old way of exploring the new and you know, it kinds of goes in a different direction. And that's what they are doing with phase four. And with she hope they're going in a different direction. But and they but they're honoring the old way by giving us new things. And that that feeds into my theory that everything that we thought was, quote unquote, wrong with She-Hulk, like the CGI and the pacing and the overtly dramatized misogyny towards Jen inside and outside of the show. It was all done on purpose. I thought up front that it was that it was to show Jen's reluctance to being She-Hulk, how everything was like, like 
sideways and just not quite right with the show. But it turns out that it was it was all a setup. It's letting us know that, hey, everything we think we know about the direction of the MCU isn't isn't what we think. Everything that we think is going to happen is not what we think is going to happen. And like we have better things ahead. And like side note, like the CGI in this episode looked way better than at any other point in this show right but when does that when does that happen it happens all the way at the end after jen has said no the hell with this i am jen walters i am she hulk i can do this i am we are doing it my way she is fully invested in not just being jen walters attorney at law but also she hulk being a superhero and a lawyer doing exactly what daredevil advised her that she could do use the law to help people where she can and when the law isn't good enough you know take to your superhero form and and do what needs to be done which isn't that exactly what was the uh, caps point in um in uh uh with the sokovia accords being thr- being thrust upon them in civil war it's like hey what you do you may not want us to go here but we may need we may find a need to go there to keep everything safe and to you know take care of the bad guy but you don't want to send us there because you don't want to piss off uh somebody else and it's like yeah that's kind of what jen is doing now so i mean and i said it a few episodes ago i thought that a lot of what they were doing was on purpose it was just to like piss people off and get them talking about it and it worked but it was to also tell us like hey this is just the beginning we are heading towards some other things you're just going to have to sit down and go with the ride that's my theory i say my theory is proven and i I love the fact that that was thrown in here um we're almost done we're almost done now right after uh kevin uh says to jen uh, uh are, are you done like going back to your show and like let's let's finish this episode off so we can uh, so we can keep it so we can keep this uh gravy train rolling he says to jen see you on the big screen jen turns to him excitedly and is like really and then kevin's like uh no so i'm i know for a fact and i remember clearly that Kevin Feige, the actual Kevin Feige, not the Kevin Bot, um, a few years ago. I want to say it was 2019 or 2000, uh, 2020. It was one or the other. He said that we were going to introduce She-Hulk. She would be on Disney+. Plus. That's how long the show was in production before they actually showed it. And they said, and he said that, hey, after she does her run with the show, she's going to be in the MCU films. So, yeah, he, he tells her no, probably just to string her along. But I know she's going to be in one of the Avengers film. And uh, and Kevin uh, Feige, if you're listening, you better not go back on that or I'll, I'll find you. I mean, you have to have a long talk um, after she finishes the show off. And Emil Blonsky has to sign uh, what she basically forces him through narrative to uh, sign an admittance that he that he broke the rules. He has to go back to jail. Uh, he's, he's all cool with it because she wanted to see him just admit that he was wrong and pay for you know not so much helping intelligentsia because i don't think blonsky was actually helping them i think he was just letting them use his place as a meeting spot and charging them which he even says like hey hey this isn't what you this ain't what you thought this is this is all about profit um but he goes back to jail daredevil shows up dropping out of the sky almost like a, a video game character spawning in for a fight and he's too late the fight's over um but yeah after all that happens um they go back to uh jen's place for a family dinner and they're sitting outside and it's very reminiscent of, and it's a easter egg to the dinners from like fast and furious movie series where they all sit around the big table out back and eat and dom goes into his this, this is my family type of thing and like like 
if you watch it and just think about it, it's there. And I don't know anybody else that saw it that way, but maybe that's just me. Maybe that's just how my brain works. Now, I told you to keep this in mind about that one World War Hulk, World War Hulk comic. Try saying that three times fast. Bruce finally shows up. The actual Bruce this time, not the one that showed up earlier as, you know, as a plot device. Um, so Bruce finally shows up, which is great uh, because the because this is a moment where Daredevil and one of the OGs from the M MCU are in the same scene. So that means that Daredevil is squarely in the MCU for real now. It's not you're not tiptoeing around it just because he's in She-Hulk. He's actually met uh, uh, Bruce Banner. He's met the Hulk. So he's. And he's squarely in the MCU, and that's good. Uh, it's also great that Bruce shows up, and he brings his son, Scar. So this is good, and this is bad, and I'll tell you why for both. Now, Scar is a character born out of the World War World War Hulk series. I told you, try, try saying that three times fast. Um, now, if he's already here now, right, as we see him, uh, basically grown. Uh, he's, you can, I, from the look of him and how his, how they, how they characterize him, he kind of looks like he's a teenager. Um, but it looks like, like, like the tragic origins of, of Scar. And it really is like a, a, like a big tragedy, how he comes to be in, in the comics. We won't get like a film or a TV show for that, which, which means no, no world war Hulk at all, which unless they retcon the story in some way and try to squeeze it into it. Now they probably could, because they could probably do like a flashback and say this is happening concurrent to um, uh, what to the events of uh, She-Hulk, which they could do that. And I hope they kind of do that. Uh, but it doesn't look like we're going to get uh, that World War Hulk after all, which which breaks my heart. But it is good that Scar is here now be and officially in the MCU, because now we have one more character available for the Young Avengers. We already have Kate Bishop, Hawkeye. We have Patriot. That was the uh, young black man in Falcon and the Winter Soldier. We have Ms. Marvel. We have America Chavez. We have Ironheart coming in November uh, in Black Panther 2. Spider-Man was in was a Young Avenger. Yes, he was in the Young Avengers for a time, so we can add him in. Now, remember from um, Multiverse of Madness, Spider-Man uh, is known. They just don't know that he's Peter Parker. So that's the part that you have to remember. They know that Spider-Man still exists. They just don't know that Spider-Man is Peter Parker. That's the only thing that they don't know. Peter Parker doesn't exist. Spider-Man still exists. And yes, he was in the Young Avengers, like I said. And you have Scar on top of that. Um, and you add all them together and you got a hell of a young team. So if they're going to do an, a Young Avengers series, to me, that would probably be the lineup. I don't know who else they could possibly add on. Um, there have been a few adult members that have been like team leaders and like keep the quote unquote kids wrangled. Um, so I... Um, I don't know who else they would add as far as one of the young Avengers uh, outside of the adults, but that's, that's a hell of a team already there. Scar, Spider-Man, Ironheart, America Chavez, Ms. Marvel, Hawkeye, um, Kate Bishop, and Patriot. That's seven people. That's enough for a hell of a team. I would say add in maybe, uh, probably a uh, vision. If they bring vision back, he was one of the, the caretakers of the team at one point. I would say add him back in. Maybe that'd be kind of dope. You're right. We get we get more vision, and we actually get him running around with the Young Avengers. Uh, Young Avengers. So who knows? Um, the show ends properly with the first after credit scene after after a couple of ep episodes. So we actually get an after credit scene with this one. Uh, Emil Blonsky is sitting in, in back in his cell after being being rearrested, and of all people, Wong shows up. 
Wong. Don't ask me why, but Wong shows up and he takes uh, uh, Blonsky to Carmitage, where earlier in the series, uh, Wong admitted that he, uh, you know, he was basically trying to help rehab um, uh, Wong. And I mean, Wong was trying to help rehab Emil Blonsky and told him, like, hey, you can take asylum at, at Carmitage and you can just, you know, hang out here and we can talk about things. We can help get your life straight. And this time he actually does it. Um, so there's a reference to that. Blonsky, as he's walking through the portal, he says, uh, I mean, as he's as Wong is walking through the portal, he looks at him. He's like, hey, you got caught up in another show, huh? And uh, that's a reference to Wong getting caught up in into uh, binge watching uh, TV shows like The Sopranos. But it could also be a reference to the fact that maybe Wong will pop up in another Disney Plus series. We all love Wong. Wong can show up in whatever series he wants to. <laughs> That'd be damn cool. Um, and then uh, Blonsky asks, asks him as he's going with him, like, hey, do you have Wi-Fi? <laughs> which is a reference to the first Doctor Strange movie when Mordo tells Steven that Shambhala and that little piece of paper he hands is like, hey, that's the Wi-Fi password. We aren't savages. <laughs> so that's a nod to that. It's also a nod that now that Blonsky has been broken out of prison and he's in Camertage, he's available to join another superhero team. Another, we're well, not superhero, another superpowered, I guess, team. The Thunderbolts. When they announced the Thunderbolts movie and the Thunderbolts team, the OG one of the OG members was not mentioned and that was abomination because he wasn't available because he was in prison. So now that he Blonsky has broken him out, who knows? He could show up in the Thunderbolts movie now. And I hope he does. The Thunderbolts to me, honestly, won't be the same without um the abomination or actually the abomination and red hulk at some point so i just want to see how that goes going forward um overall the entire series nobody can argue this point the comic series is the most i mean the she hulk is the most comic accurate thing the mcu has ever done period if all you ever do is complain about what this isn't in the comic book and this isn't in the comic book you can't say anything about she hulk everything that happens in she hulk is pulled directly from the comics and then shown in the show. Yes, they've dramatized a handful of other things, but this is so damn close. The feel, the scope, the look, Jen breaking the fourth wall, the characters, all of these things are directly from the comic book. Period. End of story. I was skeptical a few episodes in and along the way, but the finale pulled it all together. It showed us so many things where the MCU could the MCU can go from here, which honestly, that's what the TV shows are for. It's not about telling you the narrative of the Avengers, which the movies are really about building the Avengers, right? Building up the big villains and the heroes coming together as the as the Avengers to take take on the threat. The TV shows is all about world building, building around that that center story, right? So and that's what it does, and it it pulled it together so well. I mean, I don't put this above like Ms. Marvel or WandaVision. I think obviously Loki was better than this. Still, Loki is that damn good. Um, but it's up there. It's still one of the best in uh, MC MCU shows. Uh, I would say I'd probably say it's number four so far, <laughs> just off the top of my head. But it, either way, it doesn't matter. It's still damn good. Um, that's all of the Easter eggs and all of the, all I had to say about, uh, uh, she hope it was just a damn good series. If you haven't watched any of it now, now that it's over, go ahead and binge, binge watch it. All the episodes are really short. They're all like 20 some odd minutes, uh, long before you hit the credits and you can jump to the next episode. Um, there is no, we're just going to get out of here. There's no one been no, no last call today. Um, there is no weekend watch list because I am going to try to sneak over to motor city comic con, um, and I will do some video and do some commentary and take some pictures. And you can see that later on on the uh, 
on the uh, YouTube uh, channel, Wolf in Nerd Clothing, clothing spelled with a K. Um, if you want to contact me, like I always say on Twitter at Riddick's Rule and on Instagram, the underscore Tweakle underscore pod. And like I said, the YouTube page is Wolf in Nerd Clothing, clothing with a K. Um, and outside of that, it's time for us to go. I am going to enjoy my weekend. You do the same. Take care of yourselves. Take care of your health. Health is the most important thing because without it, you have nothing else to follow. D just Take care of yourself. Don't do anything crazy while you're out there in these streets. Uh, so from our producer, Nikki Rev, who you actually will get to meet very soon. You actually will get to get, meet Nikki, Nikki Rev very soon as we sit down and talk on our 100th episode, which is still coming up very fast. Either way, but for her and for myself and everybody here at The Vault, we love you. And, we end, and I will end this episode the same way we do. God bless. I love you. And peace. See you next time.